entitled, A Surprising Encounter with a Giant Humpback Whale. How many would say this morning that's a surprise you can live without? I, I think me too as well. And yet that is exactly, exactly what Jonah encountered as he was tossed overboard in Jonah chapter 1. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn there with me to the 17th verse because as you know, he had an even greater encounter. He not only encountered this great big fish, but he was swallowed by it. And Jonah chapter 1, the last verse of the chapter, page 920 in the chair Bible in front of you, says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three nights and three days. If I ever do encounter a great fish like this, I hope I never see the inside of that fish. But I want you to notice the next three words. Look at verse 1 of chapter 2 and the next three words. Then Jonah what? He prayed. He prayed. How many think Jonah was a tough nut to crack? How many think this cracked him wide open? It sure did. It sure did. Someone said to me this week, uh, Pastor, do you you think the whale was large enough for Jonah to stand up in? And I want to ask you this question. You ever tried to stand in a roller coaster? Have you? Um, On the screen this morning is a depth chart of the Mediterranean Sea. And do you know what the deepest part of the Mediterranean is? Three and a quarter miles. Now think about that. 72 hours, three days, three nights, this fish was swimming all over the place. One of my old professors said this, it was a black torture chamber which pitched him uncontrollably uncontrollably in every direction. How many think that sounds like a fun ride for 72 hours? No wonder. Jonah prayed. And how many of us would agree uh, that this was the most unusual prayer closet? Anyone has ever been in. And this morning, what we really are going to see is this is how to pray when you are in one of the storms of life. Anybody here this morning? Don't raise your hand. Who's in a storm in life? How do you pray when you are going through deep waters? Well, that's what we're going to learn from Jonah today in his prayer in Jonah chapter 2. So let's take a moment to pray and then let's ask the Lord to be our teacher because some of us are in deep waters right now. Let's pray. Father, We thank You that the Word of God is always relevant. And we thank You that this is not uh, about simply a prophet almost 3,000 years ago who experienced an encounter with a, a great fish in the midst of a storm. But this is about us. And it's about You. And it's about your ways with us. 
And it's particularly about how you use the storms of life for our good. Teach us now this morning. And we'll thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Continue to follow with me, verses 1 and 2, and notice what it says. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Now, let's notice, first of all, when you are in the midst of a storm, here is how the Lord wants you to pray. Pray that we need storms. Now, I want to be very clear here this morning. This is not pray that you want a storm. None of us are that crazy, right? Uh, Not pray that you like storms. But when you are in a storm, and you are a child of God, you pray, Lord, I must need this storm, right? That's the way you pray. Now, let me remind you what Pastor Wearsby uh, said, and I shared this with you last week, and, and we need to come, up, come back to this time and time again. He said, as we read our Bibles, we discover that there are two kinds of storms. Storms of correction, when God disciplines us, and storms of perfection, when God helps us grow. And we all know that we need to grow And we all know sometimes we need correction. And so since that's the case, the Bible teaches us we all need storms. And did you notice God who appointed this storm, and verse 17 says He appointed this great big fish, did this because He knew this was what Jonah needed. And you and I need storms as well. I know a couple who many years ago was having uh, very, very severe marriage problems. And the marriage problems eventually led them to separate for several months in which they did not see each other. And it was a very, very rough storm. And here's what began to happen. During those months, the husband began to miss his family. And the wife also had to start humbling herself. Uh, They didn't know where this was going to lead. Was this going to lead to divorce? And so, after several months, they they got back together, and and they really were anticipating, we're going to get together, and we're going to decide, what do we do with the stuff? And how are we going to divide it all up? And who's going to take what? But you know what began to happen? They began to talk about their problems. They began to work through them. And they reunited. And they remained together and are a happy couple to this day. In fact, they can actually joke about that time in their lives. I was with them not long ago and the wife talking about that time said, uh, well, that was the time when my husband was being a poopy head. And you know what? If the truth were known, she would admit she was being a poopy head as well. In fact, to be honest with you, there was a lot of poop to go around. 
for both of them? And how many would agree that uh, Jonah was being a poopy head at this point in his relationship with God? How many of you have ever been a poopy head? One honest person? How many of you are being a poopy head right now? Two honest people? How many think when we're being that way, storms might be needed? Absolutely. And here's how you pray in a storm. Lord, I don't like it. Lord, I don't want it. But Lord, I what? I need it. And when your attitude is changed, oh, what God can do. You see, Jonah's going to say, your billows and your waves, they rolled over me. Lord, you sent this storm. I must need it. Brothers and sisters, when you are at that point, then you're ready to pray in the second way. Okay? Secondly, notice we are to pray to learn from our storms. Uh, One pastor has said this, the belly of the fish is not a happy place to live, but it's a good place to learn. How many would say amen to that? Belly of a great big fish is not a happy place to live, but it is a great place to learn. By the way, let me ask you this question. What would have happened to Jonah if that big fish had not swallowed him? What would have happened? Yeah, he would have drowned. He would have drowned. This fish was not sent to destroy Jonah, but to rescue him. Think about that. God sent a very scary time for Jonah's good. Can I say to all of us here this morning, God has not sent the storm to destroy you, but to teach you and train you. Is there an amen to that this morning? Absolutely. Storms are because God is trying to help us. He is trying to change us. Now when we understand that, then we can begin to look at the storms of our life and we can start to learn from them. Are you in a storm right now? Are you praying that God will teach you? That's what He wants to do. He wants you to learn. And I want you to notice here, in this storm and in this belly of this great fish, what Jonah learned. Some of us today need to learn this. Number one, notice what he learned. Sin always takes us where? Down. Look down in his prayer at verse 6, and he says, as he prayed, at the roots of the mountains, I went down. Now, if you're reading chapter 1 and chapter 2, you will recognize that this phrase, went down, occurs several times. When he ran away from God, he went down to Joppa, the port city. There he found a ship going to Tarshish, and he went down into the ship. 
In the storm, he went down into the sea, and then he went down into the belly of this great big fish. And he says in verse 6, as we just read it, I went down. Repeatedly, 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 when Jonah disobeyed God and began going the opposite direction, he went down, 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 down. Now, dear brothers and sisters, we are not just intended to see this physically. This is spiritually. Disobedience to God, if it's persisted in, can only lead one direction. And that direction is down. Didn't Samson learn that? Remember Samson, sent to be the judge over Israel? Man with incredible strength. Supposed to lead them in deliverance from the Philistines. Instead, what did he do? He rejected God's plan for himself. He became involved with Delilah. And you remember what the Bible says. He went down. And what began to happen? He lost his eyes. Lost his freedom. Lost his strength. Finally lost his what? His very life. And what happened to Samson is exactly what happens here to Jonah. Sin always takes us down. There's a pastor who says this, when you turn your back on God, the only direction you can go is down. Some of us here this morning, we know this by experience, don't we? We've been there. And we know this is spiritually true. Now notice the second thing. The second thing that Jonah learned is sin takes you down and it will ultimately take you down to rock bottom. And rock bottom is what? It is no fun. Now verses 3 to 6 in this prayer of Jonah are a description of a man who was drowning. And I want to read them for you, and you are reading a man who is struggling against the waves because he thinks he's going to drown before he is swallowed by this great fish. So pick it up in verse 3 and put yourself in his position as he's in this hurricane-type storm now, tossed out of the boat, And he's drowning. Listen to what he says. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. And the flood surrounded me. All your waves and billows passed over me. Then I said, I'm driven away from your sight. Shall I ever again look to your holy temple? The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. We need to understand here that this Jonah is a very stubborn man. In chapter 1, you know what he chose? Instead of God's will, he chose suicide. That's what he did. He said, toss me over. The storms come because of me, and if you toss me into the waters, the storm will stop. I want you to think about this. Jonah preferred death to God's will. Is that a hard nut? 
Here's a guy who says, I'd rather have a quick death by suicide rather than do what God has called me to do. But then here's what happened. When he didn't die instantly and he was in the throes of drowning, he became terrified. His instinct to live took over and he began to fight the sea to stay alive. I wonder if there's anybody here who has ever survived an experience where you felt you were going to drown. But if you have experienced that, you know exactly what Jonah was feeling. In verse 3 and 5, he said, the flood or the deep surrounded me. In verse 3, he says, the billowing waves, they crashed against me. Verse 5, he says, the seaweed churned up from the bottom of the sea was wrapped around my head. And in verse 3, when he says, out of the belly of Sheol I cried, Sheol was the place of the dead. The ancients believed it was under the floor of the ocean. So Jonah, as he went down to the bottoms of the mountains, felt that he was as close to death as he could be. And he says in verse 6, once the bars of death closed behind me, He said, I knew it was over. It was over. I don't know if you've ever known somebody who drowned. When I was 18, a co-worker of mine drowned. His name was Paul Miller and he was 17. And he was out at Twin Lake where I used to swim a lot as a child and he was learning to scuba dive. And while he was down below with his trainer, something went wrong with his oxygen and he spit out his mouthpiece. The trainer put the mouthpiece back in Paul's mouth and he spit it out again. And all of us know exactly what happened next. He ingested both water into both lungs and he drowned. And I want you to imagine how terrifying that was. He couldn't get air. He began to panic. His next breath ingested water into both lungs, and that was it. He was in six feet of water. Six feet of water. And he drowned. See, if you're fighting for your life, drowning is one of the most terrible ways to die. And this is the terror and the panic that Jonah felt as he sank to the roots of the mountains in the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea. Now look at this for just a moment. Sin always starts out fun, doesn't it? 
disobedience to God always seems sort of harmless and carefree. But eventually, eventually we hit rock bottom. And that's where Jonah was. When he first decided, I'm not going to do what God has asked me to do. I'm going to go the other direction. He just thought, I'm, I'm going on a cruise. I'm getting as far away from God as I can so that He will leave me alone. I will not feel bothered. And now He is fighting for His life at the very bottom. What a lesson. What a lesson He learned. This past week, uh, we were back over at the prison for our two services of preaching over there. Randy Gilbertson is with us always, and, and now Matt Vissering has joined our team, and he preaches one service, and I preach another. And there is an inmate in the prison whose name is Mark, and Mark is very tender towards us, and we've gotten to know him quite well. You know what Mark said to me one day? He said, this is my third time in prison. My third time. And I want you to know those walls over there, just a few miles away, that's no picnic. Nobody that I've ever met in a blue suit over there wants to be there. And if you're there, you know what you know. You have hit rock bottom. If you're there, you've hit rock bottom. And here's what Mark said to me. I now know what I need. I now know what I need. And he sits in chapel with his Bible open and he listens intently. And he knows I've hit rock bottom three times. It is no fun. He knows my sin has caused it all three times. And this is what he says to us. I'm going to be paroled in about four months. Will you pray for me when I go home that I will stay close to God? Close to God. Some of us here today We can identify with Mark. Because we know my sin took me down and it was no fun. It was no fun. But then I want you to notice the corner begins to turn. And Jonah learns something that all of us here this morning know so wonderfully well. Let's read it together. God is really good. By the way, isn't it interesting? Jonah didn't learn number three until number one and two. How many of us would say, hey, that was me. It wasn't until I went through number one 
And number two, that I learned number three. Did you notice what happened in verse 7? He said, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. How many think that when you're in a storm, remembering the Lord is a good thing? How many? Jonah remembered God. How many think God remembered Jonah? Yes, He did. And what did Jonah remember about God? By the way, I just want to drop this in here. 72 hours in the belly of a big fish, swimming all over the Mediterranean Sea. That's a long time to think, isn't it? That is a long time. By the way, that's also a long time to be lying in whale juice, wondering if you're going to be digested. Right? Let me ask you, which is worse? Downing, dry, dying of drowning... Or dying of digestion? Which one do you think is worse? But here's what I want you to understand. The longer Jonah was in the belly of the big fish, the more he realized God wasn't going to allow him to die. The more he realized when he first got in, he thought, this is it. You can't survive this. But the longer he was in the belly of this great fish, the more he realized, God has not sent this fish to kill me. He sent the fish to rescue me. By the way, who decided it was going to be 72 hours? God did. You know what happens? The longer your storm goes on, the more you think God has abandoned me. But in this case, the longer the storm went on, Jonah knew God has not abandoned me. Listen, the storms of your life, God not only controls them, He controls how long they're going to be. And if you will just simply say, Lord, you are in charge of the storm, I am here by your appointment for your learning, and however long it goes, that's up to you, but I know you are in it with me. Oh, how you will learn. Oh, how you will learn. And look what Jonah learned. Look what he learned. What did he remember about God in those 72 hours? Well, he learned that God answers prayer. Verse 2, He answered me when I cried out. Hey, did Jonah deserve for God to answer his prayer? No! Why did God answer his prayer? Because God is good. God is good. He hears the cry of the suffering. And then Jonah learned this, God cares for those who cause their own distress. He says, I, I called out of my distress, and he was the one who caused the distress. It was his fault. Did, did Jonah deserve to have God care for him? No. 
Why did God care? Let's say it together. Because God is good. God cares for us even when we've blown it. How many people here today would say, raise their hand and I won't ask you because it would be too many. I've blown it. I don't deserve to have God care for me. And then you read this. Here's the most stubborn nut you have ever seen. And he says, in my distress, God cared for me. What a great God. And then he learned something else. God saves rebels and he lets them call him, O Lord, my God. Did you notice that? Verse 6. You brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God. Let me ask you again. Did Jonah deserve to be able to say, the Lord is my God? Did he? No. He did not. Why then did God say, Jonah, you're my child. You've rebelled. You've sunk to the bottom. But Jonah, you can call me the Lord my God. You know what the answer is? God is what? God is good. God does not turn His back on His children. He doesn't do that. It's interesting how Jonah concludes the prayer. He says, salvation belongs to the Lord. And you can put that title over the whole prayer. God saves the undeserving who cry out to Him because He is a good God. Now, if your storm has caused you to remember God like this, oh, what a blessing it is, right? If in the storm of your life you have remembered, God will answer my prayer. doesn't matter if I've blown it. He will hear my cry. He will allow me to call Him my God because He never turns His back upon His children. If you remember that in the storm, you are blessed. You are blessed. Because God is doing a work in your life. Well, there's one final way we need to pray. We don't want to miss this. Number three. When you are in storms, you pray to renew your relationship with God. And that's what Jonah does. Look at verse 8. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. You know what Jonah understood at this point? It's time to renew his relationship with God. And he renewed it in three ways. And uh, how many of us this morning think, When we're going through a storm, this is the check that we need to have with God. Look what he he did. He said, I'm going to keep myself from idols. I'm going to keep my vows to God. 
And I'm going to keep my testimony before people. Um, how many this morning would say, if you learn those three things in your storms, you've learned pretty well? Huh? Yeah, of course we would. Let's just look at the first one for just a moment. Look at verse 8. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. Now Jonah knew that idols were false gods. He knew they were empty, worthless, and nothing. He knew they could not help their worshipers, and all they did was keep them from the real God, the God of steadfast love. Do you know that phrase, steadfast love, is a covenant word? It means those in covenant relationship with God, like all believers today who are under the new covenant. And when you are in a covenant relationship with God, you know what God promises? Faithfulness, goodness, and graciousness. You know what Jonah realizes? I've been like those pagan sailors before they met God. I forsook the Lord for idols. Just like all the pagan nations around me, so I forsook the Lord because of idols I allowed in my life. And now he says, now that I've come back, I'm going to keep myself from idols. I'm not going that direction anymore. Brothers and sisters, would you read with me? 1 John 5.21 Let's read it together. The last verse of 1 John. Join me. Let's read it. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. My old professor, Norman Geisler, used to love to remind us idols are mental as well as metal. He was right, wasn't he? Idols are mental, as well as metal. Wrong values, wrong commitments, wrong ideas about God, wrong direction in life, Wrong loves, wrong beliefs, those are all idols. And why does God say this? Because He knows idols keep us from Him. Idols keep us from the One who is filled with steadfast love. And if your storm that has been so painful and so hard has caused you to turn from the idols of your life and cling once again to the God of steadfast love, has that storm been a blessing? Oh, it's been a great blessing. It's been a great blessing. 
Let's thank God for how good He is. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes together. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, you remember last week I said a Christian is somebody who's either in a storm, coming out of a storm, or going into a storm. And if you're a Christian and you've known the Lord for very long, you know that that is true. I'm either in one now, I've come out of one just recently, or I'm headed into one. And God wants you to pray to Him, Lord, I I need this. You've sent it because I need it. Lord, help me to learn. It's not to destroy me. It's to change me. And then God, help me now to renew my commitment to love you, to follow you, to live for you. For some of us today, I know what you're going through. I know what you've been through. Others I don't. But I know this God who Jonah came to understand afresh. And you're here today because God is saying, remember me. Remember me. Would you quietly express your trust, your love, your thankfulness, no matter how long it takes? Blessed Savior, today, hear our prayers. Help us to see this ancient book is right up to date. It's about us. It's about God. It's about His ways with us. And it's about Him and His faithfulness, His goodness, His graciousness, even in the most painful and hard times. Lord, lift up the heads today that are crestfallen. Bring to the hearts of those who are grieving renewed joy. For those who are without hope for tomorrow, Renew trust 
and let them know they will learn of you in ways that will cause them to love you more. Hear the prayers of your people, Lord, today. You are very good. For Jesus' sake. And all God's people said together, Amen.